when they asked me last time, like, what do you have new? I said, well, I dance. <laughs> Welcome to Belly Dance Live podcast. My name is Jana Komarnitska. I'm a full-time dancer based in Toronto, performing a variety of Middle Eastern and Central Asian dance styles, including belly dance. You can find me at janadance.com as well as on Insta or Facebook by Jana Dance or Jana Komarnitska. I'm happy you've decided to join us for this weekly dose of dance inspiration because here on this podcast we explore all nuances and insights into lifestyle of ballet dancers and we are having amazing star guests who share their stories, secrets and tips with you. Just before we jump into this episode, a quick reminder that every Tuesday now I do free online class for you. It's streamed on my Instagram, Facebook and YouTube channel, so you can follow wherever it's easier for you. And it takes place at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time every Tuesday, so hope to see you at the next class. Hello guys, welcome to Ballad Dance Live podcast and uh, uh, today I'm super excited to chat with uh, amazing dancer Amar Lamar. Uh, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. And uh, here I need to actually tell a backstory of how I discovered about you because one of my uh, friends, dancers, whom I follow on Instagram, she posted a photo of her with you and the description said, uh, with the queen of Dubai belly dance. Oh my God. <laughs> and <laughs> I remember seeing this like, oh my God, why, I, uh, how happened that I don't know the dancer, who is that? And then I followed the link to your Instagram and I saw all amazing work that you do. And really since then I follow and every time you post a video or anything, I go and check it right away because I really was impressed how you managed to combine very traditional elements of, um, uh, I would say Lebanese style, but We'll talk about that uh, in, in just a bit, uh, but very traditional aspect of ballet dance with a lot of show elements and folklore performances and working for so many years already in Dubai and having really exciting show, even from those uh, uh, short Instagram videos that we get to see, um, I mean, those audience that are not in Dubai. So I'm really excited to talk uh, today with you and uh, get to know you even more and uh, get to hear your ballad and story. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Oh, man. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me again. And uh, it's amazing what technology can make that, you know, two dancers from different parts of the world can connect in a program such as this. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's great. To start our conversation, can you please tell us how did ballet dance come to your life? <laughs> Where everything has started? <laughs> Well, um, when I started belly dancing, I was really young. I was around 12, 13 years old. I was a dancer of other uh, styles. I make ballet when I was very small. Then I make folkloric Mexican dances. And then I went and I jumped like for African and Afro-Caribbean rhythms. It was until then when my teacher of such uh, rhythms she wanted to make a song by Shep Khaled this one very famous I'm sure you know it Didi mm -hmm. 
she really have no idea. And belly dance in that time, I'm speaking like pre-Shakira period, Really, in Mexico, at least, no one knew what belly dance was. I had the, uh, the coincidence of finding one video made by one local artist in Mexico. The video was in that time VHS, mm-hmm. <laughs> like a video cassette. Uh, it was for um, the basic course of belly dancing. I bought it out of, or my parents bought for me out of curiosity mostly. But really, when I saw it, I fell in love with it and I decided to drop everything. I was making Hawaiian, Tahitian dance. I decided to, to drop it to just um, make belly dancing. How I learn really till now is a mystery for me as well. <laughs> Because there was no teachers, there was no schools, there was no information. I went to Egyptian embassy, Lebanese embassy. I went to many places to search for information and like really struggle a lot to find videos here and there or some information about the belly dancing. I mean, in that time is pre-internet. There was no YouTube, no Facebook. Uh, I know for a fact in other places, like such as, I don't know, United States, Brazil, uh, parts of Europe, belly dancing is been like long time already, like present in the country. But in Mexico, it was really not that much. So it was hard for me. I consider myself to be, if not one of the first, probably like, I don't know, like the number six or seven in the, you know, from the first belly dancers that were in my country. So yeah, it's, uh, it's difficult. But I think when you love something, you really like fight to, to do it <laughs> somehow. So anyway, um, belly dancing is not like, I know for a fact in other parts like USA, Brazil, parts of Europe. I mean, belly dancing, it's been like there in the country for like already long time. In Mexico, it was not like that. Previously, before Shakira came, really no one knew what was belly dancing. And it was really difficult to to gather information. I went to embassies. I went to like local restaurants, tried to find most of the information that I could. It was hard. And of course, in those years, it was... 1996, 1997, there was no Facebook, no YouTube, no no ways of getting now the information as easy as now. So it's a miracle that I learned belly dancing. I think it came easy for me just because I had other disciplines, so it was easier for me to catch. And uh, and of course, I mean, during while I keep dancing and performing, I start to improve. So I didn't really take classes uh, like I don't know, like now that they all the girls have schools and they have first year, second year, third year. They make galas and they make all those things. In my time, uh, there was nothing like that. Mm. And uh, how did you start uh, performing uh, in the beginning? It was uh, local restaurants uh, in Mexico? Or was it some, I don't know, dance-related events that they invited you to perform? Like how performance part uh, came to life? 
well, I started performing like almost immediately. There was, and till now, there is only one restaurant that have live music in Mexico City. The name is Adonis. I consider this place to be almost like my school because really I worked there so many years and um, uh, in in Mexico we have like the equivalent that in the um, USA countries, which is like this week 16, we have for when the girl make 15 years old. Actually, I made that in, in when I was working and the owner of the place gave me the cake of the of my birthday. Mm. So I was like performing, it was uh, three times per week. In the same time, of course, I was keeping my studies, the school, uh, my rates it went down, of course, because I was more focused on dancing than in studying. <laughs> um, later, I decided to just drop school and keep on, on dancing. My parents, they were not so happy, but uh, yeah, you know, when you are young, you get stubborn. And um, yeah, I, I think I, I just start at the beginning, they give me work just like they told me, we cannot like give you a contract or anything because you are underage. So if you want to come and like have fun and dance and when it's not like late shows, maybe when it's family or when it's some special event, we will call you. I think they find me like cute, like a baby dancing and like, you know, not because I was like super professional, of course, in that time, I was really very beginner. But yeah, I I think, as I say, because I didn't have a, a real um, teacher, I did learn like during my work, during performing, and most of the immigrants in Mexico, they are Lebanese. Mm -hmm. I mean, like speaking of Middle Eastern countries, most of the immigrants in Mexico, they are Lebanese. So this Adonis restaurant, it was, it's, it is a Lebanese restaurant. I work in another one named Fairuz, which unfortunately disappeared. I work there only a couple of times, honestly, and also Lebanese. So I think just naturally my, my style became that, became a Lebanese style. I was not even aware of Egyptian style or, I don't know, tribal style. Yeah, I just didn't have the information, mm. honestly. <laughs> was it uh, scary to sort of uh, dive into dance uh, life fully and uh, drop in out of uh, school and not continue by, you know, like a regular, what's considered normal path for uh, young people of building their life and just letting all that go and, and focusing fully on dance. Was there any fear around it? Or you just certainly knew already then that you want dance to be your career and your profession in the future? I think when you are young, you are fearless. If you tell me now, leave everything and come to, I don't know, do something different than what you are doing, I will think about like, pros and cons, the risks and everything. But when you are young, you want to eat the world. So really you don't think, I mean, you always think like, yeah, it's going to be awesome and I'm going to be like 
make success and this and that. And of course, many people have the same idea and not everyone succeed. I think I wasn't scared. I just decided to do it. My parents are the ones who got scared, especially my dad. Uh, he wasn't happy at all when I decided to drop school. Uh, he told me that, I mean, how much future I can have since in Mexico there is only one restaurant and it's not like I can be there forever. It's not a career, it's just a job. Mm-hmm. And um, that it is not um, good. But as I say, you, you are young, stubborn, and I think maybe my dad, he thought that after a few years, it will be, you know, like calm down and go back to school and whatever. And then it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, I had a similar experience. Like when I decided to fully focus on dance, my parents uh, had a lot of concerns too. And uh, although they were really supportive, but for many years there was that like, okay, when she get tired of dance? Oh, okay, yeah. maybe she's now getting tired of dance or something like that. And then it passed and they see everything. But I didn't have uh, that, you know... Uh, difficult experience because they still were very supportive and trying to help but I can imagine that sometimes it's really difficult to communicate uh, this passion to dance to uh, parents who have their own concern they're coming from loving place of taking care but they sometimes don't realize this artistic uh, I don't know powers (laughs) I think they do I think they do but they are like it's like when the son they say he want to be a rock star I mean, really, how many of the people who want will really become rock stars? Um, My parents, they were always very supportive, really, like all the first costumes that I had. And like when I needed to go to the party, like in the other side of the city, my my dad will drive me. My mom, she will always be with me in each presentation that I have. It doesn't matter if it was early, late, whatever. She will be by my side. But. As I say, I mean, I think when you are a parent, like you want to kind of make assure the the future for your kid. And when you see something so, I don't know, like so, so uncertain, like any artistic, either dancing, singing, painting, really, you don't know if even if the person have talent, you don't know if the person will make success. So I think it's a concern in every parent Mm, true is there anything that now looking back on those years and with all your uh, more mature experience of having dance career and uh, going through this journey is there anything you wish you did differently in uh, I mean in terms of communication and with your parents because I bet someone is now listening who is in that young age and may have like those uh, not issues but they have that situation that uh, uh, the parents are very worried about uh, a person going and pursuing dance career so I'm sort of thinking like is there anything that you wish uh, you did differently when you were young or something you would give it as an advice of how to communicate your ideas and dance goals to your parents, um, anything like that? Um, I think if I come back in time, I would like to finish the school. I discovered with years that education, it is really very, very important. And when you are young, you 
really don't want to understand that. I mean, I, I don't know, maybe youth have changed now, but in my time, I mean, you want to pursue something else, which is which is not bad. I mean, it's fine. I think I would keep dancing, of course, but um, trying as well to to study. I think it it become important later in time. It's funny because I was speaking with some friends about it not long ago and saying that uh, when you are young, your brain is fresh, like to catch everything that you want to learn. But unfortunately, you don't have the maturity or the focus and you easily get distracted by other things. When you are older and your brain is not so fresh anymore and you take like the triple X effort to learn something, <laughs> you are more focused, but then your brain doesn't help. So now, for example, I am uh, now that I have a little bit more time, I'm trying like to to make some kind of like studies to revalidate and like uh, try to, you know, at least even for not that I want to make a career of something, you know, but like just for me to 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 have some studies under my under my sleeve so i think it is important i think that you can dance or sing or make any other activity that you like combined with school i think each person have different experience i know girls for example that they drop dancing because like the parents they want that she became a lawyer or something that really she hate um, that's another story, of course. I mean, in my case, my parents never really like pushed me to do something I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that case, I think I'm very lucky, but I would love, I mean, now that I am older, if I could, um, make both, mm. I think it, it would make my life or your grown up life, make it a little bit more easy outside the dance world, of course. Mm. Yeah, it's so true. Then uh, we are young. We don't like to think in advance and think about future, and we just think we know everything the best <laughs> right now without any experience and understanding of life and uh, taking whatever uh, decisions we make more based on uh, spontaneous or emotional. Uh, uh, reasons rather than thinking in advance and listening to someone who actually has life experience. <laughs> um, anyway, from those years in uh, Mexico City and all the way to Dubai, <laughs> how did that transition happen? When did you start performing in Dubai and how was your first uh, contract? <laughs> Dubai, well... Before going to Dubai, I need to make a stop. The first time I travel actually was not Middle East. I got contact to work in one hotel, Sheraton, in India. Mm-hmm. So the first trip actually I had was to Mumbai and New Delhi, four months in each place for Sheraton hotels. Uh, it was a Lebanese restaurant as well, so I went there and I performed. It was mostly every night. I mean, for the time when I went, which was 2003, it was really good. I think that my my work, it was fine, my costumes, I mean, like all the... Um, for professionally, what it involved, it was good. I was working with one one-man show, 
from there, the manager of that place, he spoke for me the very first time about an agency in Lebanon who take dancers to various countries. He said that he will recommend me. I really didn't um, pay attention, you know. I was just like, ah, okay, well, thanks. Uh, I left the place, uh, finished my contract, come back to my country, stay there another eight months or something. And then the person of the agency that he spoke contacted me by mail. He introduced himself. His name is Toro Siranosian. He said that he had this agency in Lebanon, that he sent many girls to many countries, blah, blah, blah. I remember because so funny. He told me the first time, no, because I sent belly dancers to Dubai. I'm like, Dubai? What's Dubai? <laughs> I was like totally ignorant because as I say, in that time, it was not like, it's not like now. When you say Dubai, everyone knows. Everyone actually wants to or wish to go there at least to visit. And for me, it was like, I don't even know what Dubai is. Mm, so funny. Um, but anyway, he sent me the very first time to Ras Al Khaimah. And uh, uh, Ras Al Khaimah well, is another emirate. And they kind of canceled my contract. Mm. <laughs> I didn't have any success at the beginning at all. My, my dresses, they were not up to standard. In Mexico, we don't have that much uh, designers as in other parts of the world. So my dresses were not like what they wanted for. My makeup supposed to be much more professional of what I was doing. I have to do my hair. I had to dance in heels. I dance. I always dance Lebanese style, but I was not used to dancing heels. And again, no internet. So when I went, I went totally with my eyes closed and I didn't really knew how it was until I arrived. Mm -hmm. So I only knew when I came and then I start to, um, I mean, after, after when they uh, canceled the contract, I get depressed of course I wasn't happy but then I decide to well I have two options either to cry or like step up my game so I did I start to practice I get in the heels I um, start to pay more attention like where to buy my dresses I start to search for information how to do my makeup all those kind of things, then being a professional dancer in Middle East, it is really very important. And no one tell you that because outside Middle East, for everyone is like the art of belly dance. I mean, the art like in bold letters and like, you know, like almost like huge letters. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and in Middle East, it is important, yes, but the outside part, it is as important as well, the presentation. Mm-hmm, name and appearance, uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, as I said, the first time it wasn't very pleasant for me. The second time, they sent me to Dubai. Again, they didn't like me because they said I was very thin. They wanted someone to have more curves and to be more um, sexy in stage and things like that. And um, I mean, I've been always very thin, so it was like a problem <laughs> for, for me. 
I make an operation. I make a, a augmentation, breast augmentation. Mm-hmm. And I think that was fine. After I put that, then everyone, no one complains. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and anyway I mean I, I put of course at the end to, as a woman you like know which dresses are good for your figure like the ones that make you look either you know with more curves or less curves so you know what is good for your body so I also kind of learned what was working for me in order to don't look so thin and then I, I, after that, I was okay. You know, everything after that came a little bit more smooth. And um, already the dance, I had it. So it, it was fine, I guess. And since I work many years in Mexico with a band and like with um, in Middle East, and I'm sure in other re- in restaurants around the world, it's the same. There is not such thing as choreography. Everything is improvisation. Mm-hmm. So I had all that. So it was just basically to work in my appearance. When I sort that, then I was fine. <laughs> I see. And since then, uh, how many years uh, have you been working in Dubai? I was in Middle East for 12 years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, long time. Uh, yeah, it's a long time. And uh, is it... Uh... Like shows every night, basically? Or was there some more uh, relaxed schedule sometimes (laughs) during those 12 years? No, not really. Middle East is nothing but relax. (laughs) It is... uh, No, really. As I say, in Mexico, it was only weekends. I mean, in the middle of the week, work. Mm -hmm. But in Middle East, uh, you work every day. Well... Probably I should say UAE. I mean, when I say Middle East, probably like I don't know really how it works in other countries such as Egypt, for example. I never work there. But in in UAE, it is daily work, especially in Dubai. Very rare there will be a place that give you one day off. You work every single night. There is no rest. Mm. Normally, it's a show of 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And each restaurant have their like their, their in-house band. So each month, you will change musicians, stage, everything. And most of the places, they have people because their clients are very faithful to the place. Mm-hmm. So the contracts are per month, most of them. So you are one month in the ex restaurant and then the next month in another one and so on and so on and so on. And like this, you spend the whole year mm. around uh, all UAE, but basically it's Dubai Abu Dhabi that you will be working around uh, all the year, except Ramadan, of course. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. It's for 12 years. Like how I don't perform every day in Toronto, but even with those shows that I have, sometimes I just feel so exhausted and almost overburned. So how did you have any moments of, uh, okay, I'm tired. It's enough. (laughs) And how, if you had, how did you manage? Because like it's everyday work. It's not like you can even take one day to rest and recharge. Uh, and it seems to be, oh, it's just one 45-minute show of the day, but it actually 
a lot of work and it gets to to the body to health and to mental even uh, state so how did you manage that workload shows every day yeah no you are really very very true it does take uh, uh you pay the price your body pay the price um when you work all the time really you stuff you start to have achings like in your neck, in your knee, in your hip. I mean, myself, I had already one uh, knee surgery like a few years back. Um, and I know girls that they had something in some part of their bodies. And as you say, like, because it's literally every, every, every day, sometimes you just feel really exhausted. So when Ramadan comes, it's like... <sighs> thanks God. <laughs> so then you can go see your family and recharge some energy. And I must say in some years I took more than a month because really it's no way. Sometimes I take one, like, I don't know, two months or sort like that because you cannot, it is just uh, very tiring. And when you're in your twenties, I mean, you have the whole power, uh, all the days for you. So, uh, some way or another, you manage to, you know, to, to keep with the work. When you keep doing it for many, many years, and then you pass the barrier of the 30s, it is not as easy anymore. I think to work in Middle East, it have a term. I think, like, when you are in your 30s already, it starts to become difficult. Not only for the age and the appearance, but also because your body cannot take that load anymore. Yeah, also it became a work as well. I mean, when you perform once in a while, you put like a lot of more effort because it's um, it's like you are like wishing for the day to arrive. When you make it every night, it's really nice. After some time, it becomes like any other work. Uh, you know... Uh, Sometimes uh, I found girls, like they say, no, it's like the best and I'm so blessed and it's amazing. And every day is, it's almost make it sound like every day is an adventure. And that's the magic of Facebook. <laughs> but really it is a normal day. It's just, it's a job. So one that you love, I mean, I will not complain. I, I think I am very, very lucky, uh, that I can make uh, a living from dancing when I know very well that in Mexico there was no way that I could make a living out of belly dancing. So from that, I'm really, really happy and I consider myself super lucky. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, after some years really become, it's, it's tiring. I think basically it's just that what I want to say, it became tiring. Was there any... I don't know, tricks that you use to get out of the feeling of routine? Because that's uh, something very common in any field. Whenever we transform our passion in our work and day-to-day -day life, at some point it starts, or it may start feeling as it's just a routine. So did you have any, I don't know, moments in your life that you broke down from the, break out from that routine feeling and refreshed? Uh, or was it something maybe in your 
day-to-day life, some, I don't know, habits or rituals that <laughs> help you to, to stay fresh and excited about dance shows and keep going in that field? Well, relating to dance, I think what refreshed my work, it was when I started to put uh, foreigner props into my dance routine. Mm-hmm. When I came very new to the Middle East, there was, I remember like the only thing that was out of belly dance, it was flamenco. Like there was two or three ladies who were making some sort of flamenco fusion with belly dance in their show. Um, so it was like the only thing that was like a novelty. When I came, um, I started to discover like other things. Uh, I wanted to to innovate, not only for the audience, but for myself. As you, as you say it, it becomes routine and then you became boring. Yeah, you became boring from your own work sometimes. So in order to, to renovate myself, I start to get into other disciplines. I discovered poi, which is something that I like. I enjoy very much. I put it in my routine, like, I think the very first time, 2009. And it was was successful. I mean, really, people enjoy it. Uh, Then I start to bring the fan veils that was not so popular in that time in the Middle East when I arrived. I started to use uh, two veils. I started to make paso doble in the show. So at the end, I make so many things in the show that later uh, it became almost like, like by force. Like, and not only for me, for any dancer, they will arrive and it will be like, so what you have new, what you're doing in your show. <laughs> I'm like, Okay, I'm doing it because I want, but it's not mm-hmm. because it is like um, obligation. Uh, so it's funny, you know. I think at the end of times, I, I uh, when they asked me last time, like, what do you have new? I said, well, I dance. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, really, and uh, no, but really, what you have new? You know, Habibi, I'm going to take like a pair of pineapples in my head. And I will put them and I will walk in the stage. <laughs> like I was just like making jokes because uh, I think as well to make something new in the belly dance, there is, I mean, there is a boundary until where you can go, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I saw sometimes some girls making strange things in the shows, not, I won't say in, in uh, UAE, but like in, sometimes in festivals or stuff like that, something called fantasy. I see some that they are super interesting. I see others that, my God, like really what you were thinking. Yeah. <laughs> but at the end, I mean, everyone, you know, follow their path and everyone do what they, what they feel. And I think as well, um, if you do not risk to do it, because you are afraid that people will laugh on you or they will not like, then no one will innovate. So you have to try. And I must give it up for those girls that sometimes make things that even, let's say, if I don't find them nice, some other person will. 
and that is innovation as well. And um, I think it takes courage to to do that. So the way to break the routine, I think, is to challenge yourself, make something different, make something even even the most uh, silly things. If you always do your makeup in some way, make it now in another way, and you will feel renovated. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way that you feel when you have a new dress, like you feel the most pretty dancer ever. Yes. <laughs> it, yeah, it's true. Then yeah. you renovate yourself. Uh, I mean, there is like small things that you make in your life that can change you. And it is, I think, important, not only in dancing, I think in, in, in life, in any profession, someone, you know, who makes something different. Plus, it's good for the brain. That's what I heard. And, uh, and it's good for your self-esteem as well. To feel like, not like every day the same, the same, the same. I mean, it's, uh, life is more than that. Well, I definitely overuse excitement of, from, of new costumes <laughs> to bring something fresh. <laughs> no, it is. Uh, but I really loved uh, your point that uh, learning uh, new things really uh, can refresh and bring back the passion and uh, excitement about what you are doing. And uh, uh, that's something that we keep forgetting that sometimes we need to just get out of our comfort zone and explore something new just to feel more connected or reconnected back to what we have been doing already for a certain time but another thing uh, that's oh you start talking about uh, having unusual props and show elements in the program and that's something that really caught my attention because whenever I start looking through your videos it's like oh one video she's dancing very traditional like style, Ebenista, and another video, this girl is like with this crazy prop, like I remember something like a flower petals around your costume, like the whole, I don't know, um, uh, not just the costume as we used to have a costume, but the whole theatrical prop. And then another video is like a folkloric ballady, and you wrap your veil, so interesting, so it's sort of a ballady costume, but you see it's not really a ballady costume, it's a part, <laughs> you, you understand that it's only one small part of the show, and then you probably will take that veil away and continue with actual ballad. And so, and this dynamic is very interesting for me because... Uh, as you mentioned, the typical duration of the show is 45 minutes, and it's crazy long. It is. <laughs> and I'm talking not only from physical point of view, like it's physically demanding from you as a dancer to perform, but also I'm pretty sure it's very challenging to structure the program in interesting way, both for you and for audience. Because to watch a 45-minute show, even if it's an excellent dancer, it can be boring for people. So do you have any, I don't know, magic formula of how you plan and structure your uh, program so it actually is interesting throughout the show? Like, uh, can you walk us through, like, okay, I begin with this, uh, then it goes to this and to this, if there is any structure like like this that you use Uh, in your program? Yes, well... uh... In, in Dubai, the show, it goes more like this. It is the entrance or the mejance. Um, then there is a popular song. Normally will be by a 
Lebanese uh, author, or I mean, like from the Levant in George Wasouf is one of the most popular. Then after that, it will be Khaliji. Since we are in the Gulf area, Khaliji must be dense uh, because, of course, most of your clientele, they are from that part of the world. So they want to hear something that they can relate with. Mm-hmm. Then you will have the Saidi, which is, I mean, people call it Saidi, but actually is Dabke, the Lebanese folklore. Um, I know some people, sometimes they make like Saidi, Saidi, Egyptian, but they are the less uh, places. Most of the of the restaurants make uh, Dabke. Mm-hmm. That, by the way, is something that I enjoy very much. Dabke is my kind of thing. <laughs> I love it. And then you will have something uh, baladi uh, or maybe a tarab. Sometimes you will make like baladi and um, solo. Sometimes if it is a day that is, I don't know, like a Monday, a Sunday, that there is no people, then I mean, no, no need to kill yourself. You will mm-hmm. make a long tarab and finish your show. But more or less, that's how is structure the the... Um, the show in Middle East. It is true to keep the attention of the people for 45 minutes. Uh, it is challenging, but the good thing of working in Arab countries is that Arab people understand the music. I mean, they want to see a very good dancer and a beautiful one, of course, but they go to the restaurant to enjoy. Uh, not from a technical point of view. They are not like, it's not like dancers dancing for dancers, which is what happened in the festivals and in the competitions. There is dancers judging you and you are dancing for them and they are looking to the smallest mistake that you have and criticizing about it and saying that you didn't perform your 100% because you make, I don't know, one... uh, hip drop where it should be not or something like that. Uh, Arab people, they want to see the whole thing. They want to see someone that goes with the music, that flows with the music, that understands what she is dancing and let them enjoy. So if you play one song that is very popular, let's say in that moment in time when you dance, uh, most likely people will enjoy. Mm-hmm. Not because you are dancing, but because they enjoy the music. So in, in, in that essence, it is easier to, to dance for 45 minutes without the people uh, getting bored. I think the key or the magic formula to keep that kind of audience entertained is make music than the majority like. If most of them are Lebanese, make something from Lebanon or from the, the, the music that you think that they would like. So I think that is the key. And of course, uh, in the middle of the show, somewhere between the Khaliji and the Dabke, you will put something new, something different, so then you will catch people's attention. Or maybe just before the end, when they are uh, 
battery to seeing you is finishing when like already they get a little bit tired of seeing the same face for 40 minutes then the last five minutes you make something totally different and then bam you catch their attention so yeah it is um as i i think for me it was never uh, so difficult to to keep people's attention but now for example if you dance for non-arab audience then that's a different story mm-hmm. because most of them they will not know what the song means for example i notice many dancers they love to dance tarab and tarab is amazing but it's a slow music i mean unless you are a dancer or you are arab you can relate to that song mm-hmm. but someone that i don't know just enter in your restaurant and like they want to see you shaking and to see something to catch their attention but they will get bored I mean because they don't understand and um, I think to dance for audience non-Arab which probably is your case and the case of many girls it is more difficult I think a show of 30 minutes in any other country non-Arab is enough. And sometimes even is too much, depending on the country. And uh, if you don't have that kind of audience, then you will be dancing for dancers, which are the ones that they will follow you, will go with you and enjoy your performance or criticize it, depending. But it's different. I think the show, the duration and how to keep the people uh, people's attention on you, it is different depending of the on the audience. Yeah, that's all so much true. Yeah, whenever, like, in Toronto, we have experience uh, as dancers, we are lucky to perform for both Arabic and non-Arabic audience, so it's, but it's completely different experience. Whenever I perform for non-Arabic audience, like, 20, at most 25 minutes, and then all sorts of props go <laughs> into the work to make sure it's interesting. And also there is another difference that I feel we'll have uh, between performing in Arab Emirates and outside of Emir- Arab Emirates is uh, if you have opportunity to engage people into dancing with you because uh, mm-hmm. uh, for non-Arabic audience, uh, it really helps, I mean, at least in my experience, to make sure that they feel interested and engaged throughout the program that at some point I can actually get some of them and, and uh, make them try some ballet dance moves. Yes. Um, and sometimes it's just few people, sometimes the whole crowd. But I don't know how it's in Arab Emirates, in restaurants. I've, I heard that it's not really appropriate to try to engage audience in the dance. Mm, no, no, it's uh, totally true. In uh, Middle East, well, uh, again, in the UAE and Bahrain, I'm not so sure. In the time when I was there, it wasn't allowed. I don't know now. But uh, no, in UAE, it's not allowed at all. Actually, uh, if police pass or like sometimes they make like rounds for for checking that everything is in order and legal, uh, you are very close to the tables. Um, You are like very indecent or like bring people to dance with you uh the restaurant can get a huge fine Mm -hmm. so it's not allowed at all to to invite people to dance even if if it is a woman 
Sometimes uh, it happens like uh, there is a new dancer, for example, coming to try luck in Dubai and then like maybe the manager or the owner wants to see her. So he tells you, I invite her a little bit. Normally it's during the Saidi. Mm -hmm. Invite her a little bit to see like how she moves, if she knows what she's doing, blah, blah, blah. So then you invite her. But of course, I mean, because the owner or the manager tell you. Mm -hmm. uh, that is another story. That means if you invite the person and the restaurant, you know, they want to get the risk, it's up to them. But for you, it is not allowed because of this problem. And even uh, um, singers sometimes, especially lady singers, normally you won't see many people dancing. It is mostly like by the end of the night after the belly dancer, there will be a male singer. Mm -hmm. He will be the one uh, that will like sing very hyper songs. So you will see all the, all the people dancing and blah, blah, blah. But with the dancer, it's not allowed at all. Mm, I see. And uh, how do you usually prepare the program? Because you've mentioned that it's usually improvisation, but I assume you do some, I don't know, rehearsing or preparations. It's not just... Uh, come on stage and dance like there is some kind of routines you you probably do or you used to do in the beginning all the um, performances and also like how do you choose the songs is it you choosing the songs or is it live band because uh, as you mentioned you usually dance to with musician to musicians uh, most of the bands they already have their repertoire you arrive with your own songs as well sometimes like you can both parties agree on, uh, yeah, this song, you know it. Yeah, I know it. You like it? Ah, yes, I like it. Okay. Tick the box. Okay. Next one. And so on and so on. Mm -hmm. um, many times, uh, it, I will say, sometimes it's a problem because the musicians, I mean, you, you move all the time, but the band will be belonging to that place. And there are some musicians that they have like ages, in the, that place. Mm -hmm. It's like they've been there in that restaurant almost since the opening. And uh, most of them, I also want to understand, they have families, they have, many of them, they are married, they have another job during the day. So they, many of them, they are lazy to make rehearsals. With most of the places, the very first day that you arrive, because that's something I must say, when you finish your contract, let's say from day one of the month till day 30, the day one from the next month, you are already working in the next place. Hmm. So that same day, you have to pack your bags, move your things to the new uh, place where you will be, unpack your bags, make the rehearsal and try to be not that tired to dance your first night in that new place. Mm. So literally the first of the months are hectic, crazy, really like you, you have just time for nothing. And, uh, and as I say, sometimes you arrive and the band, they have like their own uh, already. Ah, you know, with this dancer, we used to make, this uh say and then you go like but man i don't want to do that and then it's a problem sometimes some musicians they will like agree if you give them few songs that they are uh not well known but some others they don't care 
Habibi, just leave it. You are just one month, forget. Mm. And this is how after, I mean, like at the beginning, you uh, fight a lot for the right of making things different and improve your show. And you want to make your name as well. So you want to give your best and you need the support of the band. After some years, you kind of get like, <laughs> you get tired of, of, of it. <laughs> you go like, man, if you want to make Satelhosen, okay, just fine, do it. I hate it, but do it. It's like after many years, I must say, I mean, Satelhosen and Mashael are still in vogue in the, in, in the UAE. And I mean, I'm tired of those songs, for example. They don't want to change because, not because they cannot do it, because I must say most of the bands in the UAE are wonderful. The way they play is really amazing. And they work so many times together that they really know what to do with the music. But when you bring something different that takes them out of their comfort zone, then it's a problem. Uh, sometimes as well, the band will show you one song that probably you don't know. Then also, I mean, you also you have to, I think in English you say comply. I mean, if you mm -hmm. ask, also you should give. So sometimes they play songs that you really don't know it, but you get to know them. So normally when you go to the rehearsals, you don't have much time. You will just like arrive. If they want to play a song that you don't know it, you basically record it and listen to it while you do your makeup and undo your bags and prepare for that night. And uh, the first week is always the adaptation period. The When you start to get some kind of adjustments, because of course... You make few songs uh, in the rehearsal, but there are many others that you didn't and you make during your contract. So, of course, like when you do it, you discover that, I don't know, they make something different than the other band you used to be with. They caught you sometimes off guard. So you just learn, you know, those small tricks. I think the best will be like, play the songs or make songs that you know that with the band very well, like in the peak days, the, the weekends when there is more people. Mm -hmm. And the other ones that you don't know very well or you haven't worked with them with those melodies, making weekdays when there is not much crowd. So in case something happens that is wrong, well, it's not looking so bad. <laughs> See. And is it everyday rehearsals? Like, do you change the show for every night? Or is it like set program, I would say, like, I don't know, for a week? <laughs> no, you just make one rehearsal normally at the beginning of your contract. And the rest that you want to make, you either call for a rehearsal in a specific day, hoping that the band wants to make it. Mm -hmm. And if not, really, um, you kind of, start to make improvisation in the already while working mm -hmm. every night it's not like a fixed program but i mean you change as a, it's important to know a lot of songs so like this then you you change but if you want to make something special you need to speak with the band before mm. because otherwise you know they will don't know what to do or what to play for you right. so you need to tell them in advance But uh, yeah, I have like a small uh, anecdote that we say in Spanish. I actually don't know how to say it in English, like a story. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
I had one band, uh, Moroccans, they were in Abu Dhabi. And uh, it, I think that was the only place where the manager actually forced us to make a rehearsal per week. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's very nice. For me, it was really nice because then you can change. And there, there were songs that I asked for them that normally no one will play in uh, UAE. And I remember that I gave to the keyboard player to make Tamil from Mario Kirlis. And he was like, what is this? <laughs> it's a song, Habib. It's amazing. No, but this is not Arabic. I don't know. Like, you make it. Not, like, belly dancers are going to love you. When they come and they will hear the song, they will be like, wow, because no one played this. This is a very famous song among dancers. And he got excited, you know, he was like, oh, yeah, yes. He make it in one day. Oh. I mean, for them, the, like, they're so good. Like in one of them, you know, he had it and finished. In the night we make it. So the days passed. And then uh, one day, one um, colleague came to, I mean, with other girls, they came to see my show. And uh, before I entered in the stage, he came to see me backstage and he was like, Amar, today is your friend's here ah, to make, make, we make Tamil, we make Tamil, like, all the time, <laughs> like a kid. <laughs> I tell him, yes, Habib, we make Tamil. So he went and he made it. And like, I could see that he was not looking at me. He was looking to the girls to see what is like, their expression in the moment <laughs> when they listen this music from angels. And like my friends, of course, they got surprised because they were like, oh, I can't believe like he's playing Tamil. How come no one here plays that? And uh, I look at him and I give him the expression of, you see, he was like, no, yes. I, he felt like he was <laughs> like the idol of the belly dancers in the UAE. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <that's> so funny. <laughs> and you also mentioned that you like to throw really unusual uh stuff even for yourself like as a dancer like that you make uh, some pasadobo and then I saw some African dancing in your program and something else what was your favorite craziest program like this <laughs> my god I um I don't know you know each thing that I made bring bring something I think for example the African dance I make it before in uh, in the theater and actually became very nice like people enjoy it a lot and myself I enjoy when I try to make in the restaurant didn't have the much the same acceptance honestly that it was in theater but I had to try so I mean I did I saw that really it was not their kind of tea so I was like well okay finish but all other things that I've made I think people has enjoyed. For me, um, as I say, when I make at the beginning and it's novelty, I love to make it because I see the people's expression. I see that they enjoy. I see that they see something new. So I enjoy. After time pass, I have to say it. Other girls start to copy or make it. Uh, then everyone already saw it. Then it kind of uh, lose its shine. It lose the sparkle then you have to make other things. 
And then when you make it again, you know, it's, this, it's the same cycle. When you make new, then again, everyone is excited. And, ah, you see, makes you make like this, like that. It was so nice. It was new. It was blah, blah, blah. And then again, you know, it's the same. After everyone see it already, then you need to change to something else. So it is a little bit, after a few years, tiring because you are out of ideas. <laughs> Really, you get out of ideas and then you get like, okay, what I will do now? God knows, I'm going to poke my eyes. Um, I think from the things that I did that I saw people enjoy the most, mm. I would say is the poi, uh, the let poi, especially the uh, one um, which is like um, gift images. People enjoy it really a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, the one that I did with, I don't know if you saw the video, uh, one that I have one headpiece and some uh, like uh, blue wing feathers. I made that program for a new year. It was the only time actually I did it with a headpiece because with the, with the wings actually I dance a couple of times more. People enjoy it a lot because it was um, not... Uh, common. I mean, there is a lot of Brazilian dancers in the UAE and they have these amazing costumes uh, for samba, but they make Brazilian dance. Of course, I mean, it's, it's, the, it's their nature. For me, I'm not Brazilian, so I decided to take it more to the Las Vegas Broadway style. It, that make, made some difference, I think, and people enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those are... Two of the things that the people like the most, I make flags as well. I was like the first one who bring the flags, I think, to to the UAE. Yeah, I think, I don't know, you know, it's like each each thing have something that people enjoy. It is for some time really new, really nice. After some time, you have to come up with another idea. Right. Yeah, but it's very interesting, exciting to follow your videos on Instagram. I was like, I'm always like, okay, what's uh, what's new? What's something <laughs> interesting? Like, it's very inspiring for some uh, ideas of um, how truly to make the program interesting and varied. Because if you're talking about performances, not just one dance on stage, it's one thing. It has its own challenges. But mm-hmm. performing for extended programs like 20, 30, 40 minutes, it's a completely different beast. And you really need to get creative, not only how to survive those 45 minutes, but how actually make them interesting and refreshing night after night. Yeah, no, it totally. And also to do not um, die in the trying. <laughs> uh, like, for example, something I noticed uh, when you dance in theater or like when you are part of a gala or a festival normally they will let you dance in one song if you are lucky more than five minutes Mm -hmm. but the thing is i mean you as a dancer you want to show yourself especially maybe is a important festival that you know is gonna be people there that maybe they can like push you to improve your career or to put you out there you know the people to know you so you want to make your best and you just have three minutes, for example. So I think this is when I see this um, dancing that you make like five steps in two seconds. Mm-hmm. And it is nice to see, but it's really tiring. And sometimes 
I see people that say, I know, but, you know, belly dancers in Middle East, they don't do nothing. I mean, they are just like kind of walking and mm -hmm. shimmy shake a bit and that's it. But also, I mean, you cannot perform like five minutes per second in a 45 minute show because that will just kill you. And especially if it is every night. So you have also to dosify your strength what you want to show more or where you want to put your most effort. So it is a different experience, um, uh, not only like visually, but also uh, physical mm -hmm. uh, to to work, I mean, or to dance like one song of three, four minutes, 25, 30, 45 minutes. I keep hearing again and again from people that, oh, like restaurant dancing, uh, it's just, I don't know, walking around and shimming. But to be honest, whenever I look at successful dancers in that field, they never just walk and do a couple of shimmies. And uh, I just remembered another story, <laughs> my personal story, but connected to you, <laughs> that you, you don't know about it. But when I just discovered your videos, I really loved one of the... Um, short i don't know one minute 40 seconds clips on instagram like that you posted and the, the combination and the, uh, the combination of movements that you put there and i actually try to <laughs> learn and repeat it for myself and i can say it's a lot of stuff in that one minute so it may create sometimes illusion that oh dancers and rest and they just walk around and see but at least for you, and I know a lot of other successful dancers in that field, they actually do a lot of stuff and crazy stuff in that uh, either you take full 45 minutes or you just cut three minutes out of that 45-minute show, and it's very intense uh, still. So I think there is a lot of misconceptions uh, from people thinking that uh, uh, restaurant dancing is easy, maybe because there are a lot of non-professional dancers who sort of overtake that scene in restaurants i don't know maybe not in arab emirates but all around the world that's sort of stereotypical belly dancing in restaurants but uh, if you're talking about professional programs in restaurants they are very rarely easy <laughs> they're actually very physical too yeah no i i couldn't agree more i think it is true uh the um... I mean, at the end, even even to smile is a job, you know, <laughs> like everything takes effort. But all right, because it's longer time, then it creates the, the, the feeling of you are not giving your best. You are not killing yourself because you are not like up, down, moving your head 3,000, I don't know, like 3,000 times and like falling off and falling again and like... Uh, some all, all those kind of steps that, um, as I say, it will be tiring to make it for 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. I, I cannot say if in other places like the dancers, maybe they are just like clapping and hey, yeah, people clap with me. Yay. I don't know. Uh, but uh, some places are a li little bit more relaxed, I guess. I don't know. It depends also what the restaurant, I mean, the owner wants. Right. Depends also sometimes the places are very small. Uh, sometimes you cannot really dance or give your best. Or like if you take a wing, you are afraid that you will poke the eye of someone. Uh, so, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I think if you are a good dancer, it, it will show 
you know, either in restaurant or in theater. And to be also a good dancer is not to make thousands of steps. I mean, to be a good dancer is just to be in harmony, your body with the music. That's true. And each person have a different way to express music. So that's why I think that is the magic of having your own style. That's something that, unfortunately, I see it's uh, not there anymore. Um, I think when you see a successful dancer and everyone wants to be like her, and then it became a copy of. I see it with like famous dancers, with Saida, with Randa Kamel now, uh, how many girls, they are excellent dancers, but you can see clearly that they are taking everything from their idol. Mm -hmm. So it's, I don't know, I think it's, it's, uh, it's hard because, I mean, Randa Kamel or Saida, there will be only one. It doesn't matter how good you copy. Mm-hmm. So if you find a melody in you and in the way you express music through your body, that's how you can like make your own style. But it needs time to like to know each other, to recognize, um, sorry, to yeah, to know yourself, to recognize yourself and uh, find your own style. I think that is for me is the most difficult thing. Because, I mean, technique and everything, if you keep the discipline and learn, you you can do it. No problem, especially if you have the skill. But to get your own style, to find the music within you, I think that is the challenge, the real challenge. It's so true. Oh, I I feel I can talk uh, hours and hours, and it's so interesting too. To, 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 <laughs> we need to make like we need to make part two. Yes, for sure. It's just so interesting to see the differences of ballet dance uh, performances in different countries, and uh, it's sort of different career path and discover all these nuances. And thank you so much for sharing all details and. Uh, uh, been just so open and sharing your experience and uh, I don't know maybe some of your trade secrets <laughs> uh, with us it's really interesting to hear before I ask our final podcast question can you please tell us uh, where is the best uh, um, way to find you and to follow your dance activities and uh, any plans or trips that you'd like to share with us today <laughs> Uh, well, now I am living in South Africa. I recently moved from the UAE because I got married. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So I moved uh, here. So I am just like uh, starting here the career. I made a show last Saturday, the first one in South Africa. I really cannot complain. The people receive me very nice. The community seems to be amazing girls. So, well, to follow my activity, I think the best will be to follow me on Instagram. I think you already have it, which is Amar underscore Lamar. You can follow me there. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I post, I won't say every day <laughs> because really sometimes I just forget. <laughs> but I post regularly pictures, small parts of videos and uh, stuff like that. Uh, also, I have my website. You can go to www.amarlamar.com. And um, there, I mean, you will find a little bit more about my bios, some pictures, uh, some uh, like candid pictures, some information about shows as well. Now, the upcoming uh, show I have, it's going to be in the city of Durban here in South Africa, where Senta, which is one of the top dancers and organizers in the country, is making a festival for Sharazad dancer. Mm. I probably, I'm sure you know her. She's American, yes, living she, in Cairo. She was in our podcast too. So people, if you haven't heard, I think it was episode three. <laughs> Go back and listen. She's amazing too. <laughs> yes, so she's coming. And uh, then, well, I mean, me being as new as I am now in the country, I have a month, I kind of contact her and I tell her, well, I'm here. Maybe I, I would like to take a class from from uh, Sharazad, of course. I mean, being an amazing, dance, amazing dancer as she is. And she was very kind to invite me to perform, be performing a song in the gala show. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, so far is that there are, I am in some conversations with some local dancers to give some workshops here in the country uh outside uh, unfortunately i still have uh nothing yet but i mean being now outside of middle east that like have all the time contracts and it's difficult to to move away i think now will be a little bit more easy to move to other countries to to perform so well that is the plan for this year and of course to settle in in the country (laughs) well good luck it's a huge move from uh, it's one chapter of your life uh, and then switch to completely new and different and another one but glad to hear that dance is still part of your life and uh, i'm sure we'll see you a lot soon on not only in south africa but on international scene as well and i definitely will add links to your instagram and website in the show notes so for people it will be easier to find you and follow you and i absolutely encourage everyone to go and check uh, your videos because uh, uh, it's something that we don't i kind of sometimes feel we are lacking those kind of style and ballet dance videos on social media we kind of over Whelmed with competitions and gala shows videos, but you have your own style and feel that I'm sure you will bring now more on stage. But it's still something that can be developed only in Arab Emirates or on Middle Eastern countries from working day to day for Arab audience. So very excited to to see you sharing more <laughs> of that with the international balance community. <laughs> Well, for me, really, I'm more, more than happy. And thank you so much for inviting me, really. For me, it's a pleasure always to share and to have a conversation with people like you that have, I, because, I mean, I can I can hear from, from what we are talking that yourself have a lot of experience in the field. And for me, I'm super glad to meet dancers from all over the world. Oh, my pleasure. And it's my treat to 
to talk and connect to so many different uh, amazing artists all around the world. So thank you for participating in the project. So I finish every podcast with the same question. And I love hearing very different uh, interpretations and answers to it. So are you ready? <laughs> okay, ready to go. <laughs> So the question is, what makes you fall in love with ballet dance again and again? So you keep doing it for so many years. What kept me, I would say, is the music. The, my movement has changed, I think, like either you like it or not with the time and experience and the outside things that you get uh, uh, involved or related or in contact with. Uh, some of your movements sometimes will change. But what keeps me in belly dancing is the music, definitely. I mean, I love other music as well, but Arabic music has something special for me, at least. The the music, the even the language, I, I like a lot. And uh, I think if... It was other kind of music, even if the movements stay, if it was the same movements, I will um, not enjoy. Probably I will drop long ago. It's the music what keeps me. Guys, thank you so much for spending this time with us. And if you like this episode, it will mean a world to me if you take a few seconds and leave us a review on iTunes or share it with your friends. Also, you can always find more information about podcast as well as past episodes at yanadance.com slash podcast. As well as you can connect with me on social media by yanadance or Yana Komarnitska. I'm very active on Instagram as well as Facebook and share a lot of tips and inspiration for your daily ballet dance life. And by the way, don't forget to subscribe to podcasts so you never miss a future episode. And until next time, keep shimming.